I'm John Peterson of Playing at the World, and you are listening to Save or Half. school games and the modern games inspired by them. Greetings everyone. I am DM Mike, a human man from the planet Earth. Joining me are three aliens, who are not from planet Earth. There is, first, the clone alien, DM Liz. Welcome. The mind alien, DM Corbett. I'm thinking it at you. Who no longer minds, because you no longer matter. (laughs) And the mutant alien, DM Jim. Hey, I've got seven cards in my hand at all times. (laughs) And... As if you humans, I mean humans like me and all of you, know we are covering Cosmic Encounter, the board game that was published 80 gazillion times over the past 40 years. But first, what have we been doing in gaming this week? We'll start with Liz. (laughs) Okay, this particular week, nothing. Okay, DM Corbett. Uh, I, hmm... What does gaming in general count or role-playing only count? Well, considering we're covering a board game, I'll say gaming in general counts. Well, then I had to just, I just finished, my son just had his birthday party and we did a scavenger hunt. It was like 25 different clues running them all around the house and the yard and everything else to find all of his presents. Yeah, we're recording this the day after Halloween. So just out of curiosity, how was the trick-or-treat traffic at your house? I had three trick-or-treaters, which is three more than I've ever had. So, yay yeah, COVID. We, we, yeah, we wiped out our candy supply. I mean, granted, we didn't get as many as many bags as we normally do, but still. Yeah, I mean, we normally maybe have five or six kids the entire night. There was one year when we had about 12, and we were just going nuts. It's like, oh my gosh, we've never had that many children before. But we had a whole bunch yesterday. And yeah, this was the first time we ever completely wiped out our candy and had to turn the lights off. And it was a quarter to nine, and we probably could have kept it going longer if we'd had more candy. Yeah. Yeah. I saw the picture you posted, and it was pretty cool, like with the social distancing thing, where it was out in a chair with a little sign and a bowl. The the only part you were missing is Tom Tullis' sign said, take some candy and then F off. (laughs) You guys guys didn't go that far, but. Yeah, we were nice. Little five-year-old. Was that the one in the shark outfit? Uh, Actually, no. I want to say this particular little boy was dressed as Spider-Man. Okay. But he just ran up and 
wrapped his arms completely around the big plastic candy bowl we had in the chair, picked it up and started, started running, off. running off with it. And his mother's on the other end of the yard. She's like, no! <laughs> <laughs> that is a future role player and a future murder hobo right there. Yeah. I, I, I like a kid who knows what he wants. So he's going to go far. Encumbrance hell. <laughs> I'm taking it all. Actually, I went Monty Hall this year. I went all full-size candy bars. I was just grabbing fistfuls of candy and throwing it at kids. They loved it. <laughs> well, we were kind of thinking we were going to have... We, we had little snack Ziploc bags with X number of pieces of candy in each one. So each one could, you know, just pick one of those out. And, but yeah, we were thinking we were going to just have to shovel it to the kid. Nope. Nope. <laughs> so... Anyway, gaming. Like little mini belays. <laughs> <laughs> After a bunch of paper-wrapped halflings. Sorry, James Michael Spawn. Okay, Jim? I forgot the question. Oh, yeah, what have we done in gaming? Something about gaming, I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, this past couple of weeks, just the normal publishing, blah, 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 blah. But next week, which will be when you finally hear this episode, a month and a half ago, I'll be running games for Virtual Game Holcon. I'm right. very excited about. Very, very cool. How virtual of you. <laughs> well, you know, I like that they accommodate us older guys who can't quite wrap their head around it because I have a for real virtual game Hokan t-shirt that they sent me. Oh, wow. For real virtual. I'm, yeah, I'm you confused. can't run a game with a virtual shirt on because no one wants to see that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I will just say Liz didn't mention that not yesterday, but a week ago we had we met for our uh, 2E D&D game for the first time in quite some time. And oh, nice. We had actually, and Alex and Amanda were able to rejoin us. Jared wasn't able to make it, but Ben was there. So we wandered around the spider dungeon, which Chase freely admits he based off of Alien and Aliens, <laughs> except mutant spiders instead of alien creatures. Dead is dead when they get you. Mm-hmm. Although although I think we're annoying him a little bit because my half-orc character got tired of not being able to stay in the tavern because she's convinced she can't stay in the tavern because she's a half-orc and, you know, racism. So she's taken her portion of the gold and bought a section of the courtyard inside the keep, and we're getting a house built. So now when we're going into dungeons, we're not only looting for, like, murder hobo stuff, but we're also, like, getting furniture. <laughs> yes. And- dishware and you know would this look good in our living room and we got a bag of holding now so you know we can pack this stuff away we got one dining room chair (laughs) okay we just need at least three matching chairs and we're good hey we've got a whole nother level to go you know see i love that in games and liz i was just thinking about you because we remember when we played in that group under matt finch and you guys were all obsessed with the dungeoneers cookbook yeah, that, that, I did that in gaming this week too. I forgot to to advertise for him. I, I got I got my hands on a copy of the D and D Feast of Heroes cookbook Ooh. that our good friend John Peterson co-authored. So it's how to make Wendy's hamburgers. <laughs> uh, the iron rations. Oh, if I could eat sugar, I'd do the iron ration thing because it's got all kinds of like cereal and cheese and nuts and stuff in it. But uh, yeah, yeah, it just it just it just released, and I got a copy, and it's it's beautiful book. With actual like real recipes in it, but it's funny. So you could you could buy it just to read it for the humor. Yeah, we'll probably have to get one if for nothing else. Liz will want it in her cookbook collection. They're for real recipes because uh, Liz Ian McCarty uh, just cooked something out of the book and 
put it on Ooh, Facebook. Nice. Patrons, thank you. This is your patron extra cut. <laughs> thank you for your support. Oh, that does remind me. I should actually mention new patrons. So let me pull that up. I had totally forgotten about that. We have new patrons already? Well, we got a couple. We haven't run them People are giving up on us. Be a patron of Save a Half Podcast and you'll get cuts no one else hears, which is basically just us being idiots not knowing what we're doing. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the sexy world of podcasting. (laughs) All right. The patrons that I have forgotten to give kudos to because I am terrible, but I would like to give a warm welcome to our patrons, Michael Burke, Matt Moore, Bill Barsh. Bill Barsh. Brent. <laughs> oh, I knew that guy. How do you spell <laughs> his name? I don't know. He's like one of the old ones, I think. He worships a frog guy. <laughs> Brandon Gibbons and Dylan Koss. <laughs> That was amazingly easy for me to say. (laughs) And my apologies for putting some of you off for as long as I have. But like I said, I'm terrible about remembering to do this. And we really do appreciate you helping us out. (laughs) And as a thank you gift for waiting so long, we'd like to give each one of you a plus zero magic longsword plus 10 against giant centipedes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you're welcome i just want to acknowledge liz for jumping on that talking grenade as her professional <laughs> skills we could have been killed if we tried to do that but she knew <laughs> what <she> was doing. <laughs> i'm glad you think so on to the pod break To a world without nearly enough quality gamer podcasts, they came. The Grognard Files, a podcast about role-playing games from back in the day. You know they're experts because they speak with British accents. Find them at armchairadventureblog.com, iTunes, or wherever fine podcasts are served. Open your mind to Dungeons and Dragons computer game from Mattel Electronics. It will lead your imagination down a dungeon labyrinth wherein lies the dragon's treasure. Steal his treasure, but make no false moves. For in Dungeons and Dragons, a dead end is a dead end. Dungeons and Dragons from Mattel Electronics. This portion of the show is being brought to you by Einstein's Express, where we move your package so fast that we actually break the time barrier. In fact, we guarantee that your package will arrive at its destination at least 12 hours before you send it. Einstein's Express, when it absolutely, relatively, has to get there the day before yesterday. It's time for Mike and the Mechanics. Sorry, sorry, sorry. that's Mike and the mechanics of the game. My bad. All right.
right, Cosmic Encounter, first created by Ian Products in 1977 by Peter Alatka. Is that how that's said? You're asking the dyslexic? <laughs> and was republished a lot. 77 by a, lot of a long people. time ago. Yep, which considering its mechanics is, I think, surprisingly still holds up today. I mean, you know, there's some board games that are classics and some that just get on the shelf, but, but we'll talk about it. All right, each player starts with a hex tile of one of four colors in the core game. Now, there's lots of expansions, and with reprints and everything, we'll go into that. Each of the hex tiles has five planets on it, being the solar system of the alien race. Everybody gets 20 tokens to represent their species, and in the center is another hex called the warp. That's where destroyed tokens go and are later retrieved during play. You win by colonizing five planets outside your home system, and you do this using your tokens as well as various cards. You're given a hand of seven cosmic cards, which are divvied up into things like encounter cards, edict cards, reinforcement cards, etc. And combat is a little... it's sort of a bidding system, but we'll get into that more with hidden cards and such like. The edition that Liz Liz is looking at was 1977. I looked at the original 1977 rules, but I overlapped a bit with some of the cards, so forgive me if I mention some of the expansion sets. Corbin and Jim looked at other sets of rules, so we shall go from there. I Since this is a board game, we're not doing top five, so open the floor. And since, Jim, it was your choice, we'll start with you. I like that Mike and the Mechanics was so short because the whole genius of Cosmic Encounter was that those guys pioneered a game design where there's a very simple, it could be a Milton Bradley game set of rules there. It was almost a Parker to, Brothers game. Well, ironically, Parker Brothers almost published it in 76. Yeah. and But the, the reason it's been repeatedly published and is still in print today is because uh, genius of the game design is that each alien power and many of the cards and Additional game mechanics will give a specific player a unique way to modify or break those rules. And that makes this game historically hugely important because it is extremely influential. It went on to influence other games like the Avalon Hill Dune board game, uh, Luminati from Steve Jackson Games, Talisman from Fantasy Flight Games, who are the publisher of Cosmic Encounters now, and Richard Garfield repeatedly cites it as an influence when they were designing Magic the Gathering. So that's a pedigree for a game. Okay. Corbett, opinions? Uh, you know what? Actually, I, I thought I had played this before. I have not. So I, got, I went into this raw, which was kind of fun. I actually had a question since you guys have played it. I'm presuming everybody has played it, well, right? No. Jim has played it. Oh. <laughs> I've played Dune, which was based oh. on the mechanics. Hmm. Liz has not played any of it. Holy crap, I'm the only one that's played it repeatedly? Yeah, yes. weird. I only oh played God. Dune. Well, like I said earlier, I always wanted to own this, and covering it in this game made me go out and actually buy it. But no, I had a, I had a question, though. You don't have to maintain your own homeworlds, do you? Oh, yes, you do. Absolutely. You do? It made it sound like you could lose your homeworlds and still have other worlds because you take over other people's worlds. Well, the... I think you have to have at least one token sitting in your home system. Well, if you lose down below three, you lose your alien powers. Yeah. Right. Oh, okay. 
But okay, there's a basic version of the game that you can play where you don't use the power cards at all. Which I suppose doesn't preclude you from winning. It just seems like it would be exceedingly hard to, but I suppose there's... Well, if you can figure out a win, you just have to get five bases in other people's systems and you win, unless one of the alien powers has changed the victory conditions, which can happen. Yeah, that definitely made a lot of kind of fun, confusionally type situational sense things. <laughs> it was very confusing when it started like, wait a minute, so they can have this power and do this, but you can have this power and do that? It sounds like... um Actually, it sounds like a lot of games I've played now. That, as far as you're talking about influences, Jim, yeah, I can see it well, bled over into a lot of stuff that I did play. Like Magic the Gathering, I do this. Well, ho, ho, no, you don't. I cosmic zap you. Well, I've got the anti-zap, <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. It's yeah. tremendous fun to play. Kind of the, like I said, the bidding part, you know, as far as putting out the cards and counter cards. And... The, the core mechanic is those challenge cards. Like you said, it's bidding where you, you, you want to attack the other player system. So you get the hyperspace cone out. You pile your tokens in. There's tokens you attack with. There's tokens he defends with. You both can invite allies. Offensive allies get in the cone with you. Defensive allies pile up in a little ring around the cone. And then it's cards, right? Basic cards are just attack, numerical attack cards, but there's also compromise cards. So that gives you three outcomes. If you both played attack cards, you just add the numbers up. Winner wins, loser loses, and tokens go to the warp. But if you both play compromise cards, all the allies get screwed and go home. And you guys have a minute to work a deal out where you trade bases, trade cards, whatever you want. If one of you plays the compromise card, you auto lose. But for every token you lost, you get to draw cards out of the attacker's hand. So and that's be before the alien powers get into it. So that's pretty nifty. <sighs> A lot of underhanded tactics in there. <laughs> Very cool, though. <laughs> it, it's rather more complex, but it reminds me of diplomacy. I was going to say, it's like Except... a weird hybrid of poker, diplomacy, and Uno. <laughs> yeah, the the one thing that I think prevents it from being a friendship killer, like so many diplomacy games are, is multiple people can win. And games don't last like all day either. You could you could sit right. you could when we were teenagers we would sit down and play two or three games in a row. So you got a chance yeah, to get, like it's a to pretty get quick back. Game. Well, Liz, did you have any initial thoughts? As you mentioned, I was looking at the Eon Products 1977 rules, which is only like five or six pages. And as I was reading over them, my initial impression was. These are kind of vaguely worded in several places, and I wound up getting the box game and setting out the little hexagons of the planetary systems and stuff, just setting it out on the floor so I would have something to look at while I was reading the rules and gain better understanding that way. I've heard that the updated versions of the rules and since they have more pages, this is almost certainly true, have clarifications and are probably more straightforward in their description of gameplay than the little pamphlet that I have. <laughs> but yeah, working off of this particular system, it's like, huh, what does that mean again? It's like, oh, okay, I think I get that. I do think after going over the rules and looking at the tiles and the cards and stuff, I do think once you start playing, it sounds like it would be a very easy game to pick up. I just think this particular version of the of the written rules could have been better done. 
I, I had no idea, you guys. Next North Texas Con, where we're all at, in, you know, able to attend in person, I'm bringing it because this game is just enormously fun, and and we're talking about it at the the, the lowest complexity tier, but. Uh, both the Eon game in 77 published nine expansions through 83. And then the current version that you can get from Fantasy Flight Games basically has all of that in one box and then expansions to it. So what you get is a game with tiered rules complexity and everybody finds their limit. Like when those expansions came out, they start out su- super simple. Here's another hex, another set of tokens. Now five players can play and 10 more alien powers. Next expansion. Well, here's a sixth hex- hexagon and 10 more alien powers. But then they start going crazy with new edict cards, a flare deck. There was an expansion with 100 moons and rules for those, put bases on moons. That was where we drew the line back in the day. That was that that stopped being fun. There was a uh, an expansion with lucre rules. Put a yeah, I, I didn't like those. Games. I didn't we like never, that concept. We never played that. But the great thing about the current version of the game is, like, instead of little cardboard tokens, you get plastic flying saucers for your token chips, and all of that is in the, the basic current game, which is a really lush production. That's what I would bring and we would play because the rules are all there. You can play whatever version of it you want. But the game is so complex. It's like a role-playing game where you immediately start house ruling it. Like we, we, It wasn't exciting enough for us in the day, so we started playing the variant where every player gets two alien powers for their home system. <laughs> so that just kicked everything up a, a complexity factor. Well, I do like how the rules as initially written, it's... a a very quick play. You know, they say the average playing time is 45 minutes. I'm sure if you put in a lot of the expansions and stuff, then gameplay can get longer than that. But just your very basic game, you know, you could do a, a pickup game in between, you know, scheduled convention games or just whatever. And it was a very popular game at the time. It went through not only three editions, but it would be like Avalon Hills General would run articles about it, and they didn't run articles for any other games, just Avalon Hills. And I had thought Avalon Hill had published Cosmic Encounter back in the 80s, but uh, when researching for the article, or for the show, I realized, I found out that Avalon Hill actually didn't publish it. They just poached the design group to do Dune for them, and <laughs> they didn't actually buy out Cosmic Encounter, so, you know. Well, I've, there is a Avalon, Avalon Hill version, but it was like year 2000. 2000. Well after Avalon Hill was a branch of the Hasbro Megapolis. Yeah, so really then it's just Hasbro. But uh, Eon Games had a good run until about 83, then West End Games picked it up. There's a Mayfair Games version that came after that, and when West End Games did it, Games Workshop licensed it in UK. Then the Hasbro version and Fantasy Flight Games has had it since uh, 2008. It's really the best version, and that's What's good about that is a lot of times we talk about these old games and it's get on eBay and try your luck and have a lot of money. You can go get this plate. This thing is, I mean, unless you're trying to collect the the entire oeuvre of it, you can go in a game store and get it today. Well, uh, you can go buy it at Amazon, actually. Not to to shirk your local game shop. Make sure to go to your local game shop, guys. But, you know, one of the reviews, a one-star review, it's kind of rough. said it didn't ship fast enough, but it was a good game. So the shipping is slow. (laughs) 
I really love this game, but I'm only giving it one star because it didn't come as fast as I'd <laughs> like it. didn't get to me fast enough. I think it Welcome was to online comments. <laughs> <laughs> That's like getting mad at the pizza delivery guy when it's never his fault. Yeah. Oh, man, that was pretty funny, though. But yeah, out of like 400, 500 views, there's like six that were one stars. And they're all kind of like that. It's pretty funny. I don't know if they're being funny or just whatever. <laughs> that, that reviewer must be the same guy who keeps showing up on my Facebook wall. You know, I'll share something. <laughs> I'm super excited about like the Mandalorian and seven comments down. There's always the one guy who goes, I never like this. <laughs> Let me tell you about how much I don't like it in excruciating detail and pee under Wheaties. I can't believe somebody on the internet would have a contrary opinion to what's going on in the world. <laughs> Doesn't seem right. <laughs> I feel bad for picking this game now if nobody played it by me, but I, I cannot tell you how excited we were by this. And I discovered this game in college freshman year at the same place and time I discovered D&D. So we would be like taking breaks from class to play this game and late to the next class over it. Jim, you got to realize I went into this thinking I have played it before because every convention I have ever been to, somebody has a copy sitting on the table somewhere. So I, I mean, I play so many games. I'm sure you do too, where you're just like, I don't know. I probably played it. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's there. It exists in the world. It's just one of those things that for some reason I missed out. Now, Mike and Liz, they just hate you. But me, <laughs> <laughs> I was there for you. <laughs> the, the hamster wheel inside my skull is going at warp eight right now, trying to figure out how could I run this online for these guys? There's got to be a way. <laughs> I'll, I'll do what Matt Finch did. I'll just get a, a webcam. I can move around the board. We went and bought a 1977 edition of this game unpunched in order to do the show because Jim chose this game. So, meh. Another one of my We don't like killed. Jim, Bob. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we liked him enough to go to go buy the game. <laughs> so oh, 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 now it's on me. Oh, okay. Yep. Well, I mean, yeah. Not only that, but we bought it from the same guy <laughs> <laughs> who got it from the dead guy's apartment. The Dead Man Collection. Wow. <laughs> yep, it came from the Dead Man Collection. Oh, see, so your version is haunted. That's good. Yes. <laughs> That's why Liz had to actually set it up before she could do the show. Kind of a weird Ouija board. The hyperspace cone does kind of look like the Ouija board it mover. does. <laughs> I think it wants me to attack the blue system. <laughs> <laughs> we hates the blues. We hates them forever. You guys can hate on me all you want. Hey, I'm not going to hate on anybody because I made all of you read the Dresden Files RPG and it was very big. So <laughs> I wasn't going to go there and I was even going to mention Timeship. But uh, you don't have to take my word for it. I mean, when there's cats like Steve Jackson and Richard Garfield walking around saying, hey, I did my whole game here because I enjoyed this game so much, you know, there's. Well, it's, it's been seminal. published in so many editions by so many different companies. Obviously, people are buying this thing. And I don't know if you've played Illuminati or Magic the Gathering, but it's the same kind of fun where, you know, I do this. Oh, no, you don't. Yes, you do. If you like, you know. Played Illuminati, not Magic, though. Well, if you like a good, vicious beer and pretzels game <laughs> that will <laughs> test your friendships, this is this is the ticket. This is definitely one of those, it, was, it inspired, it was a game in, or was inspired by, how, how, I don't even remember what our catchphrase is anymore. Did we, ins, did the game inspire? Did we inspire? 
We're inspired by it? games and the modern games inspired by them. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Hey. You have played the Dune, the Avalon Hill Dune board yeah. game. And it's very similar. I mean, instead of alien powers, you have equipment. But, you know, instead of the warp, you've got the sand, the worm. And you've got sandstorms. And, yeah. And you've got the little shields, which I really like because it's got the various houses. Instead of the very instead of aliens, but the art is all very 1960s, Flash Gordon pulpy. So you know it's really fun. I keep threatening to have our group play that one of these days, but haven't had a chance. And until the damn pandemic gets over, or at least gets under control, we're not going to happen. Well, at least I know what to get you guys for your various birthdays. Because I, I think maybe the current version, like you just looked on Amazon, Corbett, you can get on eBay, you know, for 30 bucks. And I mean, it's a hefty freaking box full of components and plastic spaceships for 30 bucks. Oh. Yeah, it's huge. They don't have the hex anymore, though. It looks like it's a board. There's like, I was, I was going to apologize up front because my references will all call things by the Eon Games version since that's what I imprinted on. But it's all the same components. This just stuff has different names. It's a hyperspace gate now. It still looks like a cone. <laughs> yeah. yeah, instead of little round cardboard colored tokens, these are actual starships, right? Yeah, yeah. And instead of the hex with your five planets, you just get five planets. Are the ships just different colors or are they actually different designs? No, they're they're all the same. Yeah, yeah, different colors. Okay, the I have the 2008 version. The only difference between it and the current version, which is the 42nd anniversary version they released two years ago, is that the colored plastic ships are translucent instead of a solid opaque color. Of course, if you had a 3D printer, and some of us here do, you could print your own ships for the game. So, say if you wanted to have Romulan warbirds for one particular faction, and Klingon cruisers, and, yeah, yeah. Tardises. Little yes. Tardises. <laughs> little Tardises. Those would be tough to stack, wouldn't they? Little little Space 1989 eagles. Oh. Uh, then you could use the moon rules. <laughs> but you must have the Space 1999. Yes, only that'll be the power. They can they can build a, a moon base for free or something. But yeah, the, in the old rules, it says there's four players. The newer rules I read was five, and you said there's up to eight now? Or... With the expansions, I know More? they took it up to either 8 or 10. The old rules went up to 6 legit players. Then in one of the expansions, they had rules for a 7th and 8th player, but they didn't get planets. They wandered the table and did crazy stuff. But um, they could play. But they could play. The oh. uh, current version does the same thing where with the box set, you can... Pl- what, I, what says online is 5 players, but I would swear to God it's 6. And then... There are various expansions, add players, and crazy stuff to it that I've never played. Like, I've never played with a reward deck or a hazard deck. Huh. wonder if they stole that from Divine Right. The crazy thing is the alien powers, because the history of that through all these versions, it's just like the mutation list, starting with uh, Metamorphosis Alpha, Gamma World, and all the other games that come after that. Because who can't sit and look at a laundry list of 50 of something and go, I could do two or three of those, and they'll be better. That's been the history of this game, where every company that's had it has jacked new aliens into it, where at one point it was up to like 100. And since, mm. and since the alien powers come in the card deck... It keeps every game from kind of being the same. Yeah, at least in the Eon version. Which is pretty cool. You randomly draw. You yeah. don't pick out your own. 
And if it stays like that from version to version, yeah, oh, yeah. That, that ensures, you know, no two games are going to be the same because people are always going to have different powers being randomly drawn that will affect the rules in different combinations every single time. Which may has explain to be random. Longevity, because there's no guaranteed foolproof strategy for winning Cosmic Encounter. There's just too many random possibilities at start. Well, I, I, I told you the, the back in the day, I mean, when we were just teenagers and playing this game viciously, one of the expansions had a, an alien called Filch. And Filch's basic power was just you could take one of your tokens back out of the warp or take a card off the deck as long as no one caught you. You could just take them anytime. That was rule-breaky and treacherous enough, but then when they came out with the Flare decks in Expansion 4, which is a, was a card that if you just drew it, it lets you do something a little bit like that alien's power, but if you were that alien you drew it, you got like a superpower. So the super Flare result was now you can steal anything as long as you don't get caught. And I did not invent the strategy. A friend of mine named David Adams did, but I quickly adopted it. He played Filch, got the Filch Flare, and was the first guy to, to when the battle's over and people get compensation because they lost tokens, he'll deal. He, he picked up the deck, dealt out everybody's comp- compensation, then folded the rest of the deck into his hand, and no one saw him do it. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I started doing that, and then we quickly had a house rule in, uh, in effect that you, if you did that, you were only allowed to take half the deck at a time. Or don't let the filch distribute cards. Ever. <laughs> well, Filch was broken enough power that in the current game, they you get the Flare deck, and then separate from the Flare deck, you get the traditional original Filch Flare, if you want to use it, because yeah. people bitched. Well, I think there's a power like that, or an ability or rule similar to that in Munchkin. I wonder if that inspired that in Munchkin. You know, just like Chaos Orb in Magic the Gathering. You know, that that was a great card until they went, wait a minute, that's too powerful. You can't play that card anymore. <laughs> Holy crap. Yeah, that's what a rod is for. Dear God, what have we done? What have we wrought? How you know game designers, they love to try. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, those game designer types. Can't trust them. Okay, well, any last comments then? I'll ask next time I pick a game and make sure I'm not the only one who's ever played it. <laughs> I've been picking games nobody's played, so you're fine. I was about to say, Dresden Files, (laughs) Great Core, Corbett was the only one who played, which I found amusing because during the Dresden episode, you were asking Corbett questions, and then when we got to Corbett, the first thing he did was ask you a question. So my first thought was, oh, well, I guess he's getting revenge. Yeah. I don't know. I just I was, there was there was a lot of like it, there's a lot of things I didn't understand or like how would that work if this rule came up or this yeah. rule, but it seems like there's a lot of handoffs in the game where you make deals with some people and then you treacherously backstab them the next time around. And well, I mean, it's like the psych question: Who's your favorite beetle or Beatles or Stones? You know, I can fix this, Corbett. Did you en- ever play or enjoy Talisman? Yeah. Okay, if you like Talisman, you like this. Okay. It's, it, I mean, there's treachery, it's vicious, It's but it's that level. It's not going to, like, you know, cause a divorce or anything. It, yeah, it's not diplomacy. Oh, no, no, no. I've stopped playing board games with my wife. Because <laughs> <laughs> you wish her to remain your wife. Yes. She is very good at games and very bad at losing. And actually, she's pretty good at winning all the time, so it's so much fun anyways. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> fine. She's a bad loser and an even worse winner. 
Yeah. Gotcha. But she's good at it. <laughs> you spoke truth just then. I heard truth. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I don't want to throw my kid brother under the bus, but his only interest in playing a game with me is until he can master it well enough to win definitively. When it goes the other way, he's done with that game. Yeah. yeah. Although it's interesting, this is the second game you've picked that has a lot of randomization to it. So I guess you really like things to always be in flux. Well, look at what I wrote. You can crawl classics. I mean, this, yeah. thing, this this game has been an influence on me. Oh, yeah. Wild Stallions. No, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. That's why we all love Time Ship. Exactly. <laughs> Indeed. I just love it because I can use the big voice. <laughs> I still I maintain that there could be a, a, a good game hidden in there. <sighs> if somebody would like to, oh, politically incorrect games, would like to hire me to rewrite it, call me. <laughs> I, uh, I, I will say in Cosmic Encounters defense, there are cosmic encounters you have in the game, as, <laughs> as opposed to time ship where there are no time ships. This is no time and no ships. No ships. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, then, I guess uh, you can find this, as Corbett said, on Amazon or, as Jim said, on eBay. So take a look. Say good night, everybody. The Clone Collective says good night. Live long and prosper. See ya. Good night, everyone, from one perfectly human man to all other humans on this earth. Briark. <laughs> Stupid humans. The Save for Half podcast is a production of the Mud Puppy Games Network and the Gagman Podcast. The Save for Half theme music is provided by the band Mississippi Bones. You can find them at mississippibones.bandcamp.com. All player characters mentioned in this podcast are fictional, and any resemblance to PCs living or dead is purely coincidental. No NPCs were armed in the making of this podcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Save for Half. Like a 68 and